Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow is underway on this Tuesday edition. Rolling through the short week, Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving week to all of you here on the Outkick Network, which includes the YouTube channel. Streaming live there. You can join Chad in the chats. Search out Outkick. Open subscribe. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Jam-packed show today. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He will join us, gives perspective on how many NFL players are we going to see on the field this weekend for Ohio State and Michigan. John McClain with us to break down the NFL in Week 12. Plenty of divisional matchups, plus Kelly in Vegas tells us how to place our bets on all of the great games this weekend. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited for uh, day two of our Thanksgiving week edition of the show. Yes. Um, our, you think Bill Belichick is excited about making a quarterback decision and potentially uh, figuring out what he's going to do past his tenure in New England? I think when you have the options at quarterback that Bill Belichick currently has, you're not very excited about making that decision. Yes. Some coaches out there may say, man, I've got a bunch of good quarterbacks here. This will be fun to make this decision. Not Bill Belichick. No, no. I believe it was Clark Judge who said that the Patriots-Giants matchup for Week 12, said this a couple of weeks ago, should be flexed. Should be flexed to Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. That's how bad this, this matchup will be in the potential quarterback matchup where uh, they have not made a decision on who's going to start Sunday. If they have, they're not going to say it. Uh, Mac Jones uh, is uh, splitting reps with Bailey Zappi. For what it's worth, Mac Jones took the first reps of the first team split with Bailey Zappi after being benched prior to going into the bye week. And prior to going to the bye week, there was chatter that the Patriots needed to win that game if Belichick wanted to keep his gig. Well, he's still the head coach of the New England Patriots. Chat out. I continue to buy into the fact that there's certainly – uh, enough pressure behind the gossip that something's there. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And there has been for quite some time between the relationship of uh, what we've seen from Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. That's what this comes down to. It's not whether or not we're going to see wins down the stretch. It's about Robert Kraft's relationship with Bill Belichick and how much it's deteriorated with all that. L let me ask you this question, Hutton. Uh, just a scenario that could be out there. A scenario for you. Yeah. Um, if the possible solution from Robert Kraft was, Bill, you've won a lot of championships for us. You're an all-time great coach. We value in this organization. But you have been bleep as a GM as of late. And this roster simply isn't good enough. So I'm going to go hire a hand-picked GM of my choosing that you will work under. And you can continue to coach this team. But I'm stripping you of general manager responsibilities. Does Bill Belichick say yes to that? No. Or is he gone? He's gone. He doesn't say yes because to that. Because that, that is yes a scenario that, that I've, I've heard floated out there, and I'm thinking, then that's firing him or trading him for but someone how, else. Because I just don't see Bill Belichick saying, yeah, you're right. Let someone else pick the players. It's amazing, though. And I, I understand why You know, the, the results are the results. They have failed Mac Jones. Mac Jones, you could say he's not good. But the situation that they've aligned with him has been awful. 
uh, and that's all Belichick. But it is amazing and surprising how quick, how, how soon we forget any any draft pick that made it in New England. Oh, of course, Belichick. They found him. Matthew Slater, for instance, a longtime special teams player for the Patriots, and he's going to—he's one of the most popular players from the the fans' perspective. That that it was a Belichick guy, right? Why would Belichick, the goat, say, "Yeah, you know, I'm going to work underneath someone now," in in, in regards to personnel? That if you're going to do that, you might as well just take his job and replace him, because that. After the the Hall of Fame career he's had, he he shouldn't work underneath anyone, and he and he wouldn't have to if it, if he wasn't in New England moving forward. I would love to know the actual market for him in the rest with the rest of the league, and and who has jobs open and who is going to be salivating over Bill Belichick at this stage of his career. What if someone's going to want him? I'm not claiming that they're not going right. to. But I don't think it's as easy as, boy, it's a bidding war because every team is going to line up to try to hire Bill Belichick and no one else if he's available. Think about the coaches that are in the league, though. Like, if you're going to turn down Belichick, you've got your guy. If you don't, who are you hiring? You see what I'm saying? Like, it, well, it, yeah, and, and, and but I still, mean... I, and you would have to trade for him as well. That's the other holdup. It's no different than Vrabel in, in Tennessee. I, I just think the appeal of trying to find the next Sean McVay or the next Kyle Shanahan or the young gun that's going to be yeah. with your Kevin O'Connell, mm-hmm. the young gun that's going to be with your franchise for 15, 20. You want to find the next Bill Belichick, not Bill Belichick on his way out of coaching, not Bill Belichick who has been a failure since Tom Brady hasn't been his quarterback. I, I, I just, I get it. Resume to resume. Of course, you're not going to find another resume like Bill Belichick's for a coach that you could bring in. I just don't think the list is long of teams that want Bill Belichick right now. I think there's one, and it takes one. I'm not claiming that he's not right. gonna he's gonna be out of work if he's out there. I just don't think there's gonna be some bidding war, a bunch of teams lining up saying, I want this version of Bill Belichick to lead my franchise for the next three to five years. I think there's a lot of them saying, I'd rather find the next up and coming coordinator or pluck someone from the college ranks that's gonna be here for a long time. Yeah, and and that can be fair uh, to, to what – I just don't think a lot of owners have a, have a plan set. And they'll look at the results and the buzz and the, you know, the, the, the PR grab. And they'll go the – two, the two organizations that I've – that you can read and hear and all the uh, – ballied about, Washington and the Los Angeles Chargers are the two that you hear that would be very interested in, in Belichick. I – I mean – would I go hire him first? No. Am I trading for him? No. But you're right. It takes one. And those two owners, we don't know much about Harris in this regard. He's going through the rebuild and trust the process, quote unquote. But to get you on that path, that would be, to me, that makes sense. Bring him in and then he's out and whatever is set up down that path of trust the process, which is the same owner that did this for the Philadelphia 76ers, you get everyone behind you. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, they need new leadership with the Chargers. Bill Belichick in L.A. makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little <laughs> bit. There's just something about that pairing. Bill Belichick on the West Coast in Southern California. I know. I mean, Washington, I, I can see that r- right away. They got a stadium that the water doesn't even work in. They couldn't take showers after the game. That's Bill Belichick's type of place. Bill Belichick in SoFi Stadium coaching the L.A. Chargers, the second team by a mile 
in Los Angeles oh, with the hoodie and the cutoff gets sleeves. Nothing but visiting fans, visiting their place. What if Belichick Chad? Is, uh, it just makes no sense to me. What if all of a sudden he does the Aaron Rodgers approach, where he goes somewhere new and there's no more hoodie? There's the pullover, team apparel. He's sitting courtside at basketball games. You know, I'm saying like he's going it's to very, Laker games now, looking very sharp on the sideline instead of where's you know, the tie. Yeah, but well, if he goes, he goes full suit, like uh, Mike Nolan honoring his father Dick by wearing the full suit on the sideline, maybe he tries to go with that trend. Uh, uh, Isn't there just something just missing or off about thinking about Bill Belichick yes. coaching the L.A. Chargers? Yes, I, I hate that. Washington, I, I hear that. I'm like, yeah, I can see that right now. I can see him in that hoodie, in those colors, in that market on drab November Sundays. Uh, in Landover, Maryland, on the sideline. Yes, si- sign me up for that. Bill Belichick, head coach of the L.A. Chargers, is very weird for me to even think about. Chad, are they throwing a parade in Pittsburgh, the fans, Steelers fans? Matt Canada fired as the offensive coordinator. Signs were up across the country. Fire Canada. Even on college game day, you could find these signs. And it happened today. Mike Tomlin... Um, it- sending out a brief statement just saying, hey, this, these decisions don't come easy. We're moving on. Good luck with your future endeavors. Reports are, Diana Rossini put out that Hugh Jackson uh, was chatting with uh, the Steelers about potentially jumping in the mix there. But they're going with a, a duo uh, of two assistant coaches, um, Mike Sullivan and Eddie Faulkner, right now as they move forward. This is the Kenny Pickett move. Yeah. It is time to let it rip. It is time to throw the football further than five yards and get George Pickens involved. Well, and is he going to be – and now is Kenny Pickett going to be Tua when he got new offensive leadership? That's a great question. Or is he going to be Mac Jones when he got Bill O'Brien that didn't get any better and may have gotten worse? That's, that's the big question now for Kenny Pickett moving forward. My buddy who's a big Steelers fan, I immediately texted him when I saw the, the news from Schefter – that Canada was fired, and I said, when you wish upon a star, maybe your dreams will come true, because he has been dreaming for a while that Matt Canada would get fired. Oh, it's a dream. The immediate question was, is Josh McDaniels going to be the hire? He would be available, right, having been fired, if they wanted to bring him in, much like a Hugh Jackson. Yes, but once you're fired, if you're still getting paid that bite, you you can trade. You can trade that out to go work? Yeah, technically, you're still under that, that deal. Well, for the rest of the season, I believe. That's how it works. Um, yeah, maybe there's like a you know a late round pick. It's not yeah, much. I, I it's not like what we're t- discussing with uh, Vrabel or Belichick. Well, and I, that's just a name to throw oh, out there yeah, that people good. know. So I, I don't know that you know there's any um, connection there or anything with that. I'm just thinking. Think about this. Going the assistant coach route. To me, when I saw that move, it wasn't oh they've got someone in mind they're going to come to bring in to coach to flip the season around. That's Mike Tomlin saying this team is not good. Najee Harris is firing off at the mouth about, are we going to sit here and say, well, we're fine and playoff positioning right. with our record or acknowledge the fact that this offense is on fire and we got to do something about it. This is him saying, we're going to do something about it while we have time and see if this can be the spark that'll get it going. The only reason I'm, I bring up the fact that I don't think it could happen this year Josh, with Josh McDaniels, Frank Wright couldn't do that last year. Um, he couldn't just jump into the mix and start calling plays for another team immediately. Yeah. After getting fired in Indy. Uh, by the way, you say when you wish upon a star, this is the first in-season coaching change for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 1941. <sighs> wow. That is consistency. It's also loyalty. But this does not happen. 
And that's why it that's took how so long. You, that's how you know it's bad. Yes. I don't hear that and think, man, Mike Tomlin, he's really changed his stripes on this, and he's going to be a completely different coach now. I, no. That is Mike Tomlin, because he said, it was my decision, my decision alone. That's Mike Tomlin saying, it was so bad, guys. I had to do something this organization hasn't done in 70 years and make this move. 80 years. Uh, 82 years, if you're going back to 1941. Oh, yeah. That's how bad it's been. It's been historically bad with this offense. And I, no one can blame them right now. Chad, there, we have seen some bad teams in college football that will take the field in some rivalry matchups this weekend. And this is historically, going back to history, this is the topsy-turvy weekend where craziness can happen, will happen. It's just a matter of where based on the motivation factor. It's always a week that we go into it with a couple toss-ups. You know, you got Ohio State, Michigan, which most years is close to a toss-up in these games. But you get a lot of games where you feel like you already know the outcome going into it. But you also feel a lot of uncertainty about what exactly the motivation is for certain teams in this matchup. And it is rivalry weekend, but when you get to the end of the college football season now in 2023, it's also motivation weekend. Who's motivated to play a game for the school they're currently enrolled at, knowing that they may either be using a COVID year or a medical redshirt year or going through a senior day, only decide to transfer somewhere else for their fifth or sixth year, and then go through a senior day somewhere else where they go there. Who's motivated to play for a slightly better mid-level bowl that's already bowl eligible? Who's motivated to go and try to make their season by beating their rival at the end of a terrible season? These are all the questions that have to be answered. And here's what angers me about having this question. And I, I know this is a, a get-off-my-lawn type take <laughs> here. I don't think we were asking this question 15, 20 years ago when you got to the final week of a season in college football. I agree. I, I really don't. I, I don't remember constantly asking, I wonder what this team's motivation is now that they've lost a game or two or now that they've looked bad the last few weeks or now that uh, they've got their bowl eligible, they're going to want to come out and play or are they mad at the coach? And Give me a break. These guys practice and play and work out and work so many months. I mean, think about a college football season. You're on from late August, first week of September through November. Then once your season ends, it's either bowl season or final exams followed by workouts. January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Workout, 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 spring practice, fall camp. You get 12 Saturdays. 12, 365 days in a year. You play football on 12 Saturdays. I do not want to hear about motivation, but here is the problem with college football right now. And I think this is an issue, and I'm a huge college football fan. Motivation will be a factor with certain teams. We'll see it. We'll see it. And that kills me. That really does. Because you're, you're granted 12 games. That's it. 12 games each fall. And you practice and work out, and you are made to go places year-round for those 12 games. But some teams aren't going to be motivated. And I hate that about the sport and the, the fact that we're even asking the question. But, Hutton, we're going to see that this week. Arkansas is a good example. Are they more motivated now that their coach, Sam Pittman, has his job? UCLA a week ago, Chip Kelly, they come out with. Uh, I just look across the country, and I see a bunch of scenarios where – we have to ask the question, what is the motivation for this team or this coaching staff? And I'm thinking, 
Why are we even asking that? There's 12 of these. That's it. Everyone should be motivated for every game. You know what? Else? The other thing that bothers me is a lot of times this is brought on by the program, by the administration. You know, the, the report about Chip Kelly oh, before yeah. you play, with, with you, the, you know what I mean? Like instead of just coming out and saying, no, that's incorrect, he's our coach, they're not saying that, which is validating the, the report. And meanwhile, if, even if you are motivated, to go out and play. What what are you really doing other than just, you know, you're having fun, but what are you really doing whenever you're down 14 points in the second quarter? You know? Yeah. And, and if, if your own if your own university is already going coaching search firm mentality. That's also BS. We're we're gonna see more and more of this. We'll talk more about yeah. it, but programs making the decision to cut ties with a coach based on the fact that transfer portal and signing day being early and everything has to start immediately. You almost need to have your coach the Sunday after on Thanksgiving weekend, ready to go, ready to come in and start working. There's a new number one team, or the number one team solidifies that spot last night. The Eagles, we discuss next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Chad, uh, Davey gave me the pitch last week about the college basketball evening, midweek. Tonight's the night again to flip on and, and watch the top teams in the country go head-to-head. Um, in Maui, well, in Honolulu, it's the Maui Invitational, but in Honolulu because of uh, everything going on in Maui, you have got two versus seven nationally when number two Purdue takes on number seven Tennessee, and you've got one versus four, Kansas versus Marquette. That's pretty awesome. That's great. You have four of the top eight teams in America going head-to-head in the same venue, the Stan Sheriff Center in Honolulu tonight uh, on uh, the ESPN family of networks. That is uh, a nice college basketball slate. I saw Kentucky win to overtime last night against St. Joseph's and pulled out a win, had a really close game. College basketball is getting going now. UConn and Texas played a good game yesterday. This is a good week for basketball. How many years now have we seen the scheduling like this? Because that's why it's good. 
right? Like yeah. there's there's anticipation and excitement. I think, also, last I year's tournament is carrying over. Yeah, I think Thanksgiving week has always been a good college basketball week. Maui Invitational has always been good. There's always been good fields in Atlantis or other tournaments also this time of year. So that's nothing new. I think this year's is exceptional, though. It's been good in the past. There are some great games over Thanksgiving week uh, this year, and it starts in, in Maui where you've got that doubleheader tonight uh, with those four teams playing. It's great. And what I love about these games is um, they're very low stakes. They're going to be played hard, and it's going to be an enormous win for someone. But when you're playing 40 games over the course of a season, yeah. it's not going to hurt you. No, Any of these teams tonight, if you lose in Hawaii to a top-eight team nationally that's going to be a one, two, or three seed in the tournament – it, it only helps your rating at the end of the year, right? So I, I just I think these are no-brainer tournament fields it. to enter. These are no-brainer games to play. Uh, I was looking at Tennessee's schedule, for instance, and, and their non-conference. They go from Maui to their next game in the States being in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. Wow. So they're 4-0 and right now. I mean, they could very easily be 4-3. and Yep. Right, they could lose, then lose to number one or number four in the country tomorrow, and then lose at North Carolina. But it's not the end of the world because your schedule is so difficult in the early part that it doesn't kill you. I, I love when good programs and good teams schedule each other in the non-conference. It makes it more exciting. We saw the NFL schedule makers schedule two good teams last night, 21-17 the final. A lot of, a, a lot of discussion coming out of the game about Philly at 9-1, and one. rightfully so. That's a tough road game to go and, and leave with a W at all. And, and Philly did it coming off the bye against a head coach and a team that routinely wins after the week off. Um, my biggest takeaway, though, is regarding Kansas City and the trends that we're seeing not getting better. What we saw against the Detroit Lions in week one, Chad, with the drop passes by the wide receivers, that continues. They didn't address it all that much uh, this offseason. They... Didn't address it at the trade deadline as as heavy uh, or as aggressive as you might expect it. What we don't know is what they were offering versus what was turned down. We, we don't know that, but they didn't make a move. It's going to come back to bite them. This is the third straight game that they've been shut out in the second half. And it's a defense that's exceptional. Chris Jones is double team like 75% of the time last night. And he was dominant. And he had two sacks and four pressures, yeah, I think, yeah. even being double-teamed. Dominant. Um, they, for what it's worth, the Chiefs run the football well on Philadelphia's defense. Eagles are known for stopping the run. They can't stop Kansas City. The Chiefs ran it on them in the Super Bowl, too. Um, but the difference is the splash plays, the, the big moments that have been the routine for KC is not there. And it, it's a different way they're going about winning. And they're still really good. I still think you, you, they're going through Arrowhead if you're in the AFC and in the postseason. But, Chad, it's just a bit different. And I, that is why I'm not on board with the Chiefs going back-to-back -back, as much as I was whenever the season kicked off. Philadelphia, meanwhile, we, it's rare to see the team that loses the Super Bowl get back in and supercharge things the year after and get back to that game and win it. But right now, they're the best team in the NFL. Well, the biggest surprise last night was when Philadelphia didn't do the uh, the, the brotherly shove mm. on a third and short at one point, tried something different, and didn't get it. 
The problem with that being the biggest surprise is that nothing about Kansas City's offense surprised me last night. And that's a troubling trend. Yeah. This has become all too normal now for KC. The, the no touchdowns you mentioned in three straight games, the drop passes, they just don't have great receivers. Uh, I've been making a living off Rasheed Rice anytime touchdowns. That didn't happen last night, but that's not a great thing uh, when that's what you're going to for, for KC. So something's got to change offensively. I still think it will. Um, I think they're going to be fine in the end. I, I trust Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to figure something out on that side. Yeah. The good news for KC is their defense is, is legit, and it's going to keep them in games like this. I mean, they're playing who right now is the best team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, and they got a great shot at winning the game, if not for a drop. And it's because their defense that, that's carrying them right now. Well, the, the reason I say Philadelphia over Detroit right now We've seen both teams go on the road and win against Kansas City. Uh, the Eagles still have not reached their pinnacle yet. Of this, it, this has been a slow burn up to the top, where they were winning to begin the season, but they were not playing all that well. But they were pulling the the win, by the way, um, against New England earlier in the year. Now they're starting with one of the top, if not the best roster, top to bottom in the league. They're clicking again on all cylinders. Very few vulnerabilities with the roster and it was same thing we were saying about them last year very good and if you're going to catch them by the way in the nfc now's the time to make a move if the eagles are going to lose next three games bills niners cowboys so if you're right behind them trying to get that number one spot start winning now on your schedule because the eagles could trip up but it's unlikely based on how things are clicking. It's time for NFL overreaction. That it is, Hut. And before I even get into my first one, I had a uh, stat. Actually, I think I told Chad earlier. I was about to bring this up if you weren't. This is good. Okay. So here is the list of quarterbacks that the Eagles have beaten this year. You have Dak Prescott, Tua Tunga-Viola, Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes. You've got Sam Howe. Yeah. You've also got Matthew Stafford. Stafford. I don't have the list. I'm trying to remember. Remember to, it to a tongue of Iloa, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford. Those are the list of quarterbacks they've defeated so far this this year. The yeah. one, the one quarterback that has defeated the Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Wilson. That's uh, that is a weird fact. Um. The Jets' defense defeated the Philadelphia right, Eagles. Right. I, yeah, I see what you're saying, though. That's crazy. That was also the like one of the two games. I think there was like a game and a half where Zach Wilson looked like a pro. And I don't even mean like a he starting pro quarterback. Yeah, no, he looked like a professionally paid quarterback in the NFL. A backup, albeit. Okay. But someone who could make a check playing quarterback. Yeah. The rest of the time, he looks like a guy who should not be playing <laughs> arena football at any point. We'll be, we'll be doing that this week. So we know Zach's not going to be winning the MVP, but Jalen Hurts is this year's MVP to get us started on NFL overreaction. Chad, I, I think it is going to be him because I don't think the Eagles are slowing down. They may lose some games here. They've got a desperate Bills team coming up. We know about the Niners and the Cowboys. Um, he was right in the mix last year. They're going to be in prime time coming up a lot. And I think it comes down to him and Tua this year. Not Mahomes. Yeah, I think he wins it last year if he doesn't get banged up he and, does. and hurt yeah. for a, a few weeks. 
Um, yeah, I think it's his. Uh, I think Mahomes last year, I think that win last night will go a long way in solidifying it. And uh, this is not an overreaction. I think Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the best team in the NFL. And at the end of the year, that is still going to be the case. They are going to get the bye in the NFC. I, I agree Jalen Hurts is going to be the MVP. And um, there's a there, there are some, though, that in the midseason awards, quote-unquote, Lamar Jackson was the MVP. The steam, though, is picking up for the Eagles. They have been playing well. Hurts has. And, again, it's consistency. He's got it. Guys, I asked you, or I mentioned this one last week. I'm throwing it back out there, but the Denver Broncos are making the playoffs. Chad, what do you think? I think overreaction um, right now. So the Broncos are five and five at this point in their division. By the way, the Raiders are five and six, and the Chargers are four and six right behind them. So they're all kind of grouped in right there. Um, AFC playoff picture: the Bills are six and five. The Bills are going to be better. Uh, the Bills are, I think, only going to get better. I, I don't know that the Broncos are going to sustain this. Um, the Browns and then you've got the brutal you know, AFC North with Ravens, Browns, Steelers, all with better positioning than them right now. The Jags and the Texans. Who had Jags-Texans, by the way, is one of the biggest games of Thanksgiving weekend. It may be the biggest one, but that's what we have this weekend. I'm going to say no. That's an overreaction. The Broncos are not making the playoffs. To me, it comes down to, do you think that the – Steelers and the Browns are going to continue winning at a rate to where they're going to be in the six or seven spot. And I don't think so. I don't think the Browns are going to be there. So who, who is it? Is it the Bills? I think the Bills. But there should be one more team. And that comes down to, Chad, Texans or Jags, one of the two. We see what happens on the field this week. And then Denver. I, uh, there's always that one crazy push down the stretch. Denver's doing that right now. Houston's also doing that right now. I'm going, though, with C.J. Stroud over Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's been playing well. But C.J. Stroud, everyone has complete confidence in him. And when you turn the game on, it's not just a final drive. He's done it now three games in a row, winning on that final possession. I'm taking Stroud and the Texans currently. And both teams, as you told me this at the start of the season where they're 0-2, no way I'm saying they're making the postseason. Davey, if you ask this question next week after Browns-Broncos and go. the Broncos won, my answer may be different. But as of today, I'm saying, the no, they're not, they're not making the I'm playoffs. I'm buying it. They play the Chargers twice. They get to play the Patriots at home. They get to play the Raiders. I just think their schedule shapes up so well. They go, to, they go to Vegas. They, they do get the Chargers twice. They also go to Detroit, to Houston, Check out that Texas Cleveland. schedule, though. It's easy it, 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 compared to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans have yet to play the lowly Tennessee Titans. Get them twice. In the division. They've got them two more times. They also Those get two the wins. Jets coming up as well. Yep. And the Browns. All right, guys. You know, they were able to get a, a win this week, but this is Matt LaFleur's last year in Green Bay. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we will see, um, we will see a lot of chatter about jobs – and openings, but you have to have someone in mind to fill that position. And they're going to have a middle of the first round pick based on where they're drafted. Jordan Love's not that guy. And LaFleur is going to get more than one year to prove that he can do something without Rodgers. I'm with you, Hutton. Now, I, I think one year without Aaron Rodgers and one year with Jordan Love is not going to be enough to get him fired. Um, the schedule's pretty tricky. 
the rest of the way. They still go to Detroit. They host Kansas City. But they also have games coming up against the Giants, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Chicago. They're going to get some wins here. This this final record is not going to be terrible. I feel like this is probably a 7-10, and 8-9 and type team at the end of the year. And if Jordan Love doesn't just completely fall off the map and does something the rest of the way, and I think he will, hmm. I think LaFleur is going to be safe. And they'll give him at least one more year. Going into the year, I believe he, he had won. And again, I, I know it's it's Rodgers too, but he had won 71% of his games. Um, kind of like the Vrabel chatter here, hot seat-wise. Well, I, you mentioned the hot seat, and you look at a lot of the names that are currently on it. We have eight or more head coaching changes in the NFL during this offseason. I don't think we will. I think we'll, we will be surprised by one that's not being mentioned. We will also be surprised about who gets the one more year playoff or pink slip. I think it'll be six or seven. It's not going to be eight or more. That would be a lot compared to what we've seen recently. McDaniels is the only one to go so far, but guys that are currently on the Staley hot for seat sure. List, yeah. Uh, you look at the Bears with Matt Eberflus. Todd Bowles been showing up for the Bucks. Brandon Staley, as you just mentioned, with the Chargers. Ron Rivera, the Commanders. Robert Sala, things aren't exactly going well with the Jets. And uh, recently, Frank Reich with the Panthers' name's been popping up. We discussed Belichick earlier in the show. And then, yeah, the Titans and Mike Vrabel. Well, the Frank there. Reich thing is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, is David Tepper gone insane? Probably. I saw something where he owns like three other pro sports teams, like an MLS team, and he fired all the coaches after a year with those teams also. Fired one after making the playoffs, I think. Uh, this is becoming they, too much of a trend with him if that's a, a legit report. I know why you didn't include him, because the owner said he, he's not thinking about it right now, but Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Yeah. Also, Dennis Allen in New Orleans. You better make the playoffs if you're the Saints. That's a good one. That's a lot of names on that list. Coming up, Jim Nagy joins us. We will scout the best in college football. A lot of names on his list. No doubt. Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Previews of Ohio State and Michigan. How many pros, how many NFL players are on the field this weekend? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Jim Nagy will join us coming up, plus uh, John McClain. And Kelly in Vegas. Time to get back to our winning ways, Chad. I wonder what it's like for John McClain. And we do need to get back. She needs to give us some winners this week. I've got a good pitch for her also. Uh, it's uh, in a state she knows a lot about will be my, okay. my pitch today. All right. Uh, I wonder what it's like for a John McClain. need to ask him this. When you go into a season – in a on a beat or covering a team in a city like he has for so many years, expecting one thing and maybe get something totally different. Oh yeah, good or bad, what that ride is like for a team and a, a reporter on a beat. I may have to ask him that when he comes on. Jim Nagy joins us, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, his weekly visit here with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on the Outkick Network. Jim, good to see you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Ohio State, Michigan coming up this weekend. How how many NFL players are going to be on the field this weekend? 
Uh, both sides of the ball in this year's draft. I mean, the hard, the hard, the hard answer there is is how many guys are going to go back with this NIL money. Um, a couple of years ago, that number probably would have been in that twenty-five to thirty range. And uh, you know, now these schools can can give these guys some NIL cash and get them back. And uh, it's a good thing. A lot of these guys are making better football decisions. Um, so I would say probably around 20 in this year's draft, probably and, 10 apiece. And what would you guess or estimate or the, the estimate would be on just total, even guys that come back or, or guys who are not eligible yet that would be playing Ooh, in this game? Including underclassmen, just about every guy that's lining up on the field. I mean, that's how it is. When yeah. you get an Alabama-Georgia matchup or an Ohio State-Michigan matchup, that's not many guys start for those teams that don't play in the NFL these days. You know, there's very few guys that just kind of you know, top out as like good college players. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a long list. I'm curious, just from a, a scout's perspective, when you watch Michigan, Ohio State, and you got a player in that game, do you place a heavier weight on how that player plays in a game like this as opposed to other games when you're watching film on someone? Is that something that can just stay in your head and you go back and say, but – Remember what this guy did in the biggest moment against the best competition and how he performed. Is that something you weigh? That's a great question. And the answer is absolutely. Um, yeah. Back in, you know, now that NFL tape is digitized in all these buildings, they can break that stuff down by different, you know, situational football. And, and uh, we used to do these things called prospect matchups when I was with the Seahawks my last couple of years. And you could basically input all your grades into the system and then filter it out based off, like if you have a, a receiver that you're looking at, you could filter it out by the corners that you have graded at a certain grade level against that one receiver. So there's a lot of ways to do it. I only say all that is that back in the day when all you could do is grab a, a beta tape and put stick it in the, stick it in the machine and watch it, um, you would always grab a Michigan-Ohio State game first or a big rivalry game, whatever that might be, whatever the game's most important on that school schedule um, where you know guys are ramped up and there's pressure behind it. Um, those are meaningful because, I mean, you're trying to you're trying to see what guys will do on big stages, um, you know, in pressure games because that's where every NFL team wants to get to is in the playoffs, and those games are all different. It's all Everything's ratcheted up more, um, so you're trying to check those college games. So rivalry games, bowl games. Um, a big prospect on prospect matchup. If it's a left tackle against a pass rusher and you know, the player it's, it's big for him in that one game and he knows it. How does he respond in those, in those uh, settings? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a big game for all those guys. Jim Nagy, our guest here on outkick. So uh, some of the invites are out. Um, one of those that's been accepted, the quarterback class you've mentioned tough to really figure out how many you're going to invite, how many are going to be there in mobile in February Spencer Rattler will be there. You know he's coming. Um, knowing that, and just comparing him, Jim, what you saw at Oklahoma to what you've seen at South Carolina, what are you eager to see throughout the draft process about how teams will grade him? Yeah, we were excited last night to get Spencer, uh, his acceptance in. We had Michael Pratt from Tulane was our first quarterback. Now we got Spencer. Uh, I don't get rattled with some of these quarterbacks. It takes a while for some of them. We didn't get Justin Herbert, um, you know, on board until after the Rose Bowl that year. We didn't get Jalen Hurts until after his bowl game. A lot of these guys like to wait it out um, and, and just see it all the way through with their team. It's it's kind of a unique position that way for us. But but Spencer has grown a lot, you know, even from last year to this year. Um, he and I were, were texting last night after he accepted the invite. 
and just the consistency, you know, like last year he had 18 touchdowns in, in 2022 for South Carolina, but six came in the Clemson game. So there were, there were some real peaks and valleys in his play. He's really, really even his play out. He's done a really nice job this year. Decision-making has, has been cleaned up. Um, he's played from a lot of muddy situations. He's been under duress a lot uh, behind that South Carolina offensive line, and he, he's really held up well. Uh, probably showing more mobility than, than a lot of teams thought. So just going into the process, I think, uh, you know, being, being totally honest, I think he's going to have to answer some questions based off, you know, some of the, the, the show he was on, whatever the name of that show was back when he was in high school, QB one or whatever that was. I don't, I don't watch a lot of that stuff, but I think, I think some of that stuff raised some, some question marks, but again, I don't think any of the three of us would have wanted a camera on us as 17 year old kids in high school. Uh, I, I, I can speak for myself. I know I certainly wouldn't have. So, uh, so no, I think, I think Spencer's way beyond that. You talk to the guys in South Carolina, he's done an unbelievable job being a leader for that football team and, and, uh, just his work ethic. He's, he's, he's done a great job. So, um, I, I think the interview process will be important for him, but it is for all these quarterbacks. It's, it's paramount. You know, that's why, we brought Hennon Hooker to the Senior Bowl last year to, to let him go through the interview process just because the one-on-one time is so important. Um, but Spencer has got a big-time arm. Um, he's going to have a great week down there, down here. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get his receiver, Xavier Leggett, who's had a great season for those guys as well. Um, so those guys will have some they'll be on, – they'll be on the same page right away, day one, uh, you know, throwing with each other. Um, so, no, that was, that was a good one. It was good to get Spencer on board last night. You mentioned that you're not sweating the, the quarterback decisions. In many cases, and, and I don't know if the, the audience would know this, explain the, the invite process because a lot of the big programs and big coaches have not released those invites yet to their team. Right. So that was protocol before I got to the Senior Bowl. Longstanding protocol with the game is we send the invites to the head coach um, and then they can disseminate those invites the, the way they see fit. And uh I've got the utmost respect for what they're trying to do right now in their buildings, trying to win games and, and finish out the season strong. So like, we don't, we don't directly connect with these players. I don't, I don't call them. I don't DM them. I don't call the families. Like they've got much bigger fish to fry than figure out what all-star game, you know, if they're going to play in an all-star game or not. So, so we sent them to the head coach, like, like you said, I know, you know, the Michigans, the Ohio States, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, um, I know there's there a lot of those schools have not even given the guys their invites yet. So um, these next few weeks will be big. They'll all get them after the season ends. Uh, you know, Coach Saban will probably hold his till after the SEC championship game. That's typically uh, what he likes to do up there in Tuscaloosa. So uh, so we'll wait. And then, you know, there's a lot of layers to this thing. Now, I brought up the NIL piece that that was never a thing. Oh, you know, before a couple of years ago. And now we've got the juniors that, that we can get in the game and we can't even invite them until they officially declare later in December or January. So it's going to be way more of a fluid process than it's ever been. Um, that's all right. That's all right. We'll we'll wait it out and we'll see. We'll see how see how it all goes down. One of the players that you 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 pointed out in your preview earlier this this season with us about Texas and Bama was Tavondre Sweat. And uh, the big nose tackle is going to be at the, at the senior bowl. How high can he elevate his draft prospects and, and status? Can he be a, a an early second round pick, a top fifty type pick? Absolutely, yeah. And he's already moved. He's already moved a ton, guys, because we, you know, he was eligible for the Senior Bowl last year, and we did not invite him. 
So, you know, our cut line on the D line usually starts in the fifth round. So that tells you yeah. a year ago, we didn't even have him in the fifth round. I think safely right now, he's somewhere on day two, you know, probably in that second, third round range, depending on what team you talk to. Um, but he has that quality that we used to talk about going way back to my Patriots days. Um, Coach Belichick and our GM Scott Piola used to, you know, say guys don't grow on trees. Um, and guys like this don't, you get nimble, athletic, 6'3", 6'4", 360, 370 pound men. Um, they don't grow on trees. So if you, if you want to get them, you better take them. So um, yeah, he's already moved up at least two or three rounds um, from where he was a year ago. And I think where he has a chance to make that next jump is down here in Mobile. I think everyone knows he's hard to move in the run game and uh, he's kind of the immovable force. And now if he can come down here and collapse the pocket and really put offensive linemen on skates and one-on-one drills and show that he can affect the quarterback, that's where you see these interior defensive linemen make, make that next jump. Um, so I think that's uh, that's what he's got in front of him. That's what Devondre's got to prove. Uh, I think he's put some of that on tape this year. I think if you come down here and, and consistently get push, that's where he's going to make that jump into the maybe the early second, late first round. I love that Puka Nakua jersey behind you right now, Jim. And uh, makes me think about another receiver, Ricky Pearsall at Florida, a guy who's put up some highlight reel catches this year for the Gators, and you're going to get a chance to see him up close. What can you tell us about the Florida receiver? Yeah, we're all sitting here in SEC country, right? I thought it'd be good to maybe cover an SEC receiver. Uh, Ricky's had a great year. Uh, you know, we were in Baton Rouge last week inviting Jaden Daniels. Ricky was a guy that caught passes from Jaden at Arizona State. Uh, former teammates. So now, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be back here in Mobile reconnect tonight. Ricky and I actually talked about that. So uh, we've been watching him for about three years. Um, the first tape we started watching on him was when he was a Sun Devil. Um, and he, he was very similar to Tavondre Sweat. He was in the mix last year, kind of fell below the line for us in that, in that fifth, sixth round range. And he came back. He's been the go-to guy. He's been phenomenal. Uh, for Graham Mertz, and he's a guy that does a lot of great work out of the slot. He's a legit punt returner, um, not a guy that just can go back there and catch it. He can actually do something with it once he gets it in his hand. So, uh, again, I think he's a guy that's probably in that late day two, early day three, probably third, fourth round range, probably moved up a round or two himself this year. So um, we had seven receivers go, I think, in the top. Uh, I, we had seven guys, seven receivers go on day two. Um, and Puka wasn't one of them. He went in the fifth round. So uh, I think Ricky's going to be in that mix to be another day two receiver for us this year. You are going to be at the Iron Bowl. Auburn's coming off of this awful loss to New Mexico State. Bama knows where they're headed. They're headed to Atlanta. The Iron Bowl always filled and packed with intrigue. What are you looking forward to? And who are you watching specifically, Jim? Yeah, it looks like a really bad loss if you're an Auburn fan, right? In New Mexico State, that's not one you thought you were going to drop. I will say this to Auburn fans. I, it's probably not going to cushion the blow <laughs> at all, but Jerry Kill is a really good football coach in New Mexico State. He's he's won at a lot of places. Um, I want to say when I first started covering schools he was at, I think he was at Southern Illinois um, and then went up to Minnesota. So he He's a really good coach. Uh, again, doesn't take the sting out of that loss. I'm sure Auburn fans and I'm sure that Auburn team felt like they were, were going to be rolling into the Iron Bowl off, of, off a nice little win streak. But but again, if I'm Alabama, this almost makes it more of a trap game. Now you've got a lack of a better term. You've got a pissed off Auburn football team, you know, coming in, wanting to prove themselves. And 
in Bama, who knows? I, I don't think Nick Saban will allow his team to look ahead to Georgia. Um, but this could be a little bit, a little bit of a trap game, and we've all seen this game. I mean, this is one of the one of the classic rivalry scenarios where uh, you might have a team overlooking another team, and that's that's dangerous place to be in. So um, I think this is going to be a good football game. I've thought too many times in the past that that Auburn wouldn't have a chance, and they've and they've actually won this football game against Nick Saban's team. So uh, it should be a good one. You know, I think some of the guys that we're going to be looking at. Um, I'd like to see Jermaine Burton against this secondary at, at Auburn. We, you know, we've invited this, another school that Auburn has not given out their invites. And we've, we've basically invited their entire secondary. Wow. So let's, uh, let's see what Jermaine Burton does against these guys. Yeah. If they're watching, they're going to be excited with that. If they don't have the invite. Yet, <laughs> nope. Jim, uh, Jim yeah. uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Enjoy it. Enjoy the atmosphere of the iron bowl there at Auburn. And uh, we'll catch up next week. Yeah, guys have a great Thanksgiving and into all the, all the viewers, uh, happy Thanksgiving out there. Thank you, Jim. You and your happy now. Thanksgiving to you, too. Thanks. Jim Aggie, uh, one of the best there. Uh, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. And uh, we'll be breaking down a lot of the top players, including the Heisman finalists when those are announced. Get his take on who will be at the Senior Bowl and who won't. Who gets invites and who doesn't. Chad, coming up, based on your motivating factors for teams right now in college football, how do we view how Michigan's players have handled all of this drama and saga that's next.